is everyone's D&D class. Oh, boy. Okay. I stand by the fact that I think Dom Toretto is a um, paladin rogue dual wield. Um, and that uh, uh, Brian is a druid. Uh, okay, please explain. I understand the paladin part of Dom Toretto. Why, why the rogue? Uh, that motherfucker came out with dual-wielding two wrenches against Jason Statham. What do you want me to think? Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm just like a really, really juicy engine. And this week... (laughs) 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 Fuck. (laughs) And this week we shipped into overdrive with the fast and the furious... Before we make our cars do wheelies, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr, at MortifiedPod. Layla? Aaron? Are you ready to learn about cars and family, but most importantly, <laughs> the laws of physics? <laughs> <laughs> physics who? <laughs> physics, I never heard of her. Uh, yeah, um, basically, we watched, so, when this episode comes out, it'll have been a couple weeks since Fast 9 came out, but in celebration of that, um, we watched the Fast and the Furious movies, but not, not the ones you'd think. We watched the first one and the seventh one, which I heard was the best, uh, based on its Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, Layla, I think you will have some, some disagreement of that, but, like, I think... This was a very good experience. Oh, it's not that I disagree. It's, uh, listen, the, the my favorite thing is not always the best thing. Um, my favorite one is three. I don't think it's the best one. It's just the one I like the most. You know, I absolutely respect that. Sometimes you just got to know what shit you like. Um, so, Layla, do you want to talk about your history with the Fast franchise? Okay, my history is brief. I have a friend who is, like, obsessed with these movies, and I'd never seen them, and she finally sat me down last summer in the middle of quarantine, was like, no, it's time. And I said, okay. And so I had bought her the box set for her birthday, so we watched one through seven. Um, So the only ones I haven't seen are eight, Hobbs and Shaw, and nine, which I will be watching. Um, And uh, it's delightful garbage. I mean... I think that the Fast franchise in in the past couple years has been given, you know, kind of the... It's discussed with with an air of uh, almost, like, snobbishness. I, you know, I I listen to, like, Pop Culture Happy Hour with NPR, and, like, you know, they they come at these these movies with, like, kind of, uh, you know, they're not good movies, but, you know, there's lots of cars revving and explosions and, and wild stunts, and, like, that's what they're for. Um... So, like, I, I had always kind of dismissed them. But, like, watching these, I I kind of had a good time. Like, I, so, weird story from my college experience. The only Fast oh movie I had seen before this was um, Tokyo Drift. And I didn't watch all of Tokyo Drift. Um, I watched about... Mm, a third of it because the people whose room I was watching it in, one of the girls was asking me a lot of questions about my sex life that I did not want to answer. So I did leave um, <laughs> and did something else. <laughs> I'm sorry that that was your Tokyo Drift experience. Um, that is my favorite one. That is number three. So oh, you missed okay. out on you missed out on Layla's favorite movie. Uh, well, I'm well, sorry about that. Fast. It's okay. I'm sorry uh, about that. We'll have to we'll have to remedy that sometime. But yeah, unfortunately, that that particular film is tainted for me. Oh, I'm very sorry. We'll have to talk about whatever the opposite of very personal details of your sex life are. Um, yeah, it's uh, um, it is discussed with like an air of pretension. I just never really. I don't know. It's hard for me to get into like big action blockbusters. I like them in theory, but sometimes they're almost like 
too much for me. So I have to, I have to go in when someone else, someone has to take my hand and guide me into the theater and be like, no, you'll like this one. And the ones <laughs> I like, I really like. And the ones I don't like, I really don't like. It's very polarizing, these action movies for me. But I think it's funny that we did this uh, immediately after Yuri on Ice because <laughs> I was re-listening to Yuri on Ice and you were whinging about the fact that the ice skates didn't have Nas. <laughs> so, I wrote I in my this... notes, this is the diametric opposite of Yuri on Ice. <laughs> yeah, this is... This is <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Um, do you want to wanna hit us with a summary of F1? Okay, so... Fast, the Fast and the Furious one, uh, titled The Fast and the Furious, came out in 2001, and it is a story about an undercover cop who is sent to infiltrate a uh, street racing like organization. They're kind of a gang, even though they wouldn't call themselves a gang. Um, and he's trying to figure out uh, who is doing all these wild stunts and robbing these cars, uh, these trucks, rather, because all these truckers are, are getting up in arms and, and, and don't like that their Panasonic TVs are being robbed. Um, and he, this, this cop, Brian, Brian uh, O'Connor, like starts to infiltrate this, this gang of people run by Dominic Toretto, who's like the best driver, uh, in history. And, uh, over the course of, of several, you know, days, weeks, months, he sort of learns that they're actually really cool and nice people, uh, and they're really good at driving. And, you know, he falls in love with Dom's sister, Mia, and, um, he really learns a lot about family and what it means to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I think Layla, what's fast seven about? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh Brian O'Connor, um, uh, now with a four year old and a second baby on the way, uh, in a minivan gets suckered into an international plot because Jason Statham wants revenge for his brother, and Vin Diesel and The Rock need him there in Abu fucking Dhabi. Um, and when Vin Diesel's house gets blown up, uh, Mia and um, Brian's baby get zipped out to the Dominican Republic for safety. Oh, and also Michelle Rodriguez had died and now is back and has amnesia. <laughs> Um, and that's Fast 7, which is just called, by the way, is, is it just Furious 7? I think so, I'm pretty yes. sure it's what it is. Yeah. So it's The Fast and the Furious, Furious 7, and then just fun fact, audience, there is a movie called Fast and Furious, and it's not the same thing as The Fast and the Furious, but it is the same franchise. I love this franchise. I think I think it kicks ass. <laughs> um. Somebody tweeted today that if Fast 10 isn't called Fast... 10 your seatbelts they're gonna sue and i like that a lot <laughs> well they do that a lot because like fast fast 8 is called the fate of the furious like oh it's really good. f8 and then god it's so good it's incredible perfect franchise honestly <sighs> they really took the beginning premise of like every while i was watching these movies i was really thinking about saints row because the so saints rows they're a series of games that are so they started as kind of GTA knockoffs and then turned into their own bizarro fantasies because somebody took the concept of upstart becomes a gang boss and ran with it all the way into fucking space. And Fast and Furious is the same shit. It takes the concept of undercover cop infiltrates a very familial gang and they ran with it. It's, it's like Saints Row of Troy was the protagonist, basically. Um, but it... it I think I put in my notes that I think you would really like Saints Row based on your enjoyment of these movies. Yeah, I, I've never actually tried the Saints Row franchise, but I suspect that is the case. Um, these movies have a lot of just like completely bizarre action set pieces, which I think are great and, and we'll get into. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the, the jumping buildings in a vehicle. Absolutely. Yeah, how can we not? Um, so like we said, the, the first main character of, of this franchise is uh, Brian O'Connor, the, you know, undercover cop who goes rogue and um eventually becomes part of this family played by paul walker who i believe died in 2013 um so that that does actually play a role in fast seven um i mean do we have much to say about brian i i would like to congr well for, first of all rest in peace you know sad that he died he was very young mm -hmm. um but uh 
I've never watched an actor get better at acting over the course of seven movies before. And Paul Walker, you know, started at the bottom. Now we hear it's um, the line delivery improved uh, a great deal. And that was great. Yeah, I mean, the difference between these two movies is night and day. Not only was like, you know, the fucking 14 years of CGI technological upgrades definitely evident. But also, yeah, I mean, his Walker's skill just like dramatically improved as he became more comfortable with the character and, and the cast and just his ability as an actor. Um, I mean, he still delivers the the like corniest lines and imaginable. So like people don't talk like the way... You know, I wish people talked the way that they do in this, these movies. Uh, not the first one, in the seventh one, yes. Um, I don't uh, because know, I the, talk like you know. Dom Toretto. <laughs> yes, I want, everyone, <laughs> I want everyone to have Dom's code of honor. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, about Mr. Vin Diesel. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Dom, Layla? Uh, he sure is a square man. Um, <laughs> He's and- so compact. <laughs> Super compact. Cares about his family. He's a family man. Um, cares about his sister a lot. Cares about his found family. Um, he's a Corona man. That's very important. I love that little character detail because it's just like it's just a thing that like lets you know like Dom doesn't have like a whole lot of terribly interesting characteristics besides the fact that he's good at racing and loves his family but like that weird specific thing that's just like yeah i love corona beer they're great <laughs> like nobody can make fun of him for it like that rules yeah no i think that that fucks incredibly hard um he's also uh there's a scene where um roman in fast seven like she's like a hacker or not Roman. Am I, do I have her um, name right? You, the, her name Ramsey. is Ramsey, yes. Uh, Ramsey. I got my R's mixed up. Uh, uh, does this thing where she, like, goes through the group and she's, she, like, gives them, like, classifications. Cool names, yeah. She, like, reads yeah. them, their auras. It's like, ah, this is who you are. Yeah, she, she looks at Vin Diesel and she goes, Alpha. And then <laughs> she looks at Michelle Rodriguez and goes, Mrs. Alpha, which is maybe the funniest shit I'd ever heard. Um, but that's it, right? Like, he's, he's like, the big, like, alpha male. Um, as, in, in as far as that doesn't exist. But, like, that's what he's supposed to be. Yeah, no, it's it's good. And, you know, I, I think the simplicity of his character does a lot of does a lot of favors to him. He's, he's just really just, like, a... He is an everyman, but also a superman, and I think that that is... He's what that the everyman the po- wants to be. Yes, exactly, and we will talk about masculinity in this franchise uh, in the body of our podcast. Um, let's talk about Mrs. Alpha, uh, one Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> um, Letty Ortiz. Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, from two episodes ago, we were big fans of her performance in Avatar, um, oh, no, no. She was distinctly no. not Michelle Rodriguez. No. It was the other one. That's Zoe Saldana. No. the No, I do have it right. It is Michelle Rodriguez. The pilot. Michelle Rod- oh, she was the pilot. Yes, the pilot is who oh, I'm talking about. Oh, shit. Yeah, Trudy. Uh, uh, Excellent catch. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so we love her. We love Michelle Rodriguez in Avatar. Um, and, uh, I love her very much in this movie. She's just kind of, like, mean, which I love. And listen, if she were the only woman of color in this movie and she were mean, that would be a problem. But she's not the only woman of color, so she's mean, and I find that very sexy. So, (laughs) it works for me, uh, it works for her. Aaron, does it work for you? I mean, you know I love a mean woman, Layla. Um, but like, there is a scene in Fast One where, so Dom Toretto's getting out and he's about to do a street race and everyone's like, oh yeah, what's up Dom? Hey, how's it been going? Um, you know, things that people say before a street race. Um, and there's, there's these two women who come up to him and, you know, they're, we should probably talk about the way that the women are, you know, dressed in this franchise, but they are dressed in like some, you know, like, you know, bikini tops and like low cut or like jean shorts and they're all like, you know putting their arms around him and, like, talking to him. And uh, Letty Ortiz, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, comes up and, like, sniffs the air, and she says, I smell skanks. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's so fucking good. Her (laughs) delivery of that terrible line is so fucking funny. (laughs) 
she does like a little cat r- growl and it's just like what are we doing <laughs> she spends that whole first movie just prowling which i really appreciate um it's a great look i love i'm a i'm a letty stan um she's she's probably my favorite character in the franchise there uh, is according to wikipedia like a, a female led one of these coming out in the next couple of years i hope to god it, it gets into her i want to know everything about letty ortiz because oh, she kicks give ass give me the letty story she f- her fight in fast seven that like weird fucking combat she does in the 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 party tower with the which- emirati yeah like guards Yes. Oh, my God. In Fast 7, everyone is suddenly combat trained, which I think is very funny. Um, but she does it in a red gown, and she does my favorite thing that uh, uh, long-haired combatants and feminine combatants do in these movies, which is she puts her hair up in the middle of the fight, and that's when you know it's fucking on. Oh, I, that yeah. was a great movie. <laughs> I would pay the price of admission just to watch uh, Michelle Rodriguez beat the shit out of Ronda Rousey, so... Was that Ronda Rousey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> these celebrity cameos in these films. Iggy Azalea's in there, too. I don't know if you spotted her. I didn't know Race that was... Like... In the beginning. It was Iggy fucking Azalea. Oh, um, Anyway. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, Mia Tarot. <laughs> um, Mia, I feel like... maybe. I hope in the other movies she gets more more character stuff, but in... Yeah, I, I don't know. She She's largely a love interest in F1 and F7. She's unfortunately just like a motivating character. She's like, oh, hey, Brian, stay alive because I'm carrying your daughter in my womb. And also we have another child. Sorry, I didn't tell you. I thought it would upset you, I guess. you see, It seems like your um, fucking house is not in order, Brian. Maybe you should work on that instead of missing being shot at, but whatever. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, hey, y'all, uh, I'm perpetually single, mostly by choice, but uh, uh, Aaron is married. I think we'll both agree that if you should not have any question as to how your spouse will react to a pregnancy. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be really, really certain about that. <laughs> You gotta be, listen, you gotta be on the same page. Uh, If I were with someone and I was pregnant, they should not have any surprise in their mind that I would more than likely want to terminate that pregnancy for several health-related reasons. Uh, You know, Aaron, I know you probably want kids in the future. Yeah, I mean, like... (laughs) You guys should be on the same page about the timing of that. (laughs) Yes, I mean, like, not to get too deep into it, but, you know, if... If Sierra acted the way that uh, Mia acted um, when she was she learned that she was pregnant a second time, we would have to go to counseling because um, clearly there would be something terribly, terribly wrong in our relationship. That would require a level of deep introspection that nobody could help you guys with other than a licensed therapist. Uh, so, yes, uh, uh, friends, friends of the pod. Be on the same page about children, please, before you enter committed relationships. Yeah, anyway, hopefully there's, like, a cool movie where there's, in the the female-led movie, um, Mia becomes, like, a cool, like, mom driver, and, you know, her kids have to, Brian just has to take care of the kids, and then she gets to do MILF shit. I want Mia to pop a wheelie in the minivan. Yes, that'd be fucking sick. Uh, I think that would fuck, I think that would be great. Um... So there's a couple other characters. I mean, we, we've hit sort of the main ones, but there's a couple other ones that appear in Fast 7 that I think we should talk about that are um, I- interesting. Um, mainly, so there's so The Rock is here. <laughs> yeah, The Rock is here. Well, before we get into The Rock, I do just want to shout out Jesse real quick. Um, Jesse's my favorite character from The Fast and the Furious, other than Letty, because he is a ADD genius mechanic who wears nail polish and that's just a thing i vibe with uh very very hard i think that's great um but yeah in fast seven the rock he's not as there as he is in fast six or eight or hobbs and shaw um but he is there (laughs) and he does have a sick scene where he flexes so hard he busts out of his cast My favorite thing that The Rock does in this movie is that he um, he knows that his friends are in trouble because he watches um, them getting shot at on TV. And I think it's Los Angeles, um, whatever yes. city. OK, it was LA. And uh, he, he's like, all right, I got to do something. And I believe he steals an ambulance from the hospital and uses it to destroy a, pre- a predator drone. Uh- <laughs> yes. And then he finds a Gatling gun. 
He also has a minigun with him while he does this. After he crashes the ambulance, he uses that minigun to shoot a helicopter out of the sky. There is... I found a lot of cinematic correlations between the shit the Furious 7 pulled and scenes out of Resident Evil. It is the same... There is literally a scene in 4 where the main character finds a minigun. And that's your weapon now. And I was watching it, and I was like, this has Resident Evil vibes <laughs> to me. I mean, this, um, whole, this whole franchise is very video gamey, so I don't think you're wrong. Has there been, like, a successful Fast and Furious video game? I mean, I think there are several, like, Fast and Furious video games. I don't think they're that successful, unfortunately. Hey, uh, I, uh, I don't know who owns the... the uh, Wild Disney hasn't recruited us yet. Hire us to make a Fast and Furious game. We could mm, we could do some shit. Uh, well, maybe we'll talk about that in our uh, marketing minute. Oh, yeah? Is that what um, it is, the marketing minute? Have we named it? That's what I have been pushing for, Mortified Marketing Minute. But uh, I love that. Okay, good. Great. Uh, there's also... Um, so there's Tej, who is played by Ludacris. Um, he's just like a, a smart science guy. Um, he's there to balance out Roman, who is played by another rapper, um, that I am not, I don't know any of his work. Uh, Tyrese Gibson. Uh, Tyrese Gibson, yes. I don't, apparently he's sold three million albums. Uh. And, uh, those two, by the way, are replacing, uh, the fucking cultural icon, Ja Rule. (laughs) Yeah, Ja Rule's in the first one. I don't know why, but he is there. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) He's there doing uh, Ja Rule things, scamming himself into places he shouldn't be. And I, listen, Firefest didn't hurt anyone, so I respect the shit. <laughs> <laughs> listen, if you if you can make a lot of money taking money from rich people, you know, go ahead, Ja Rule, sure. Yeah, fuck it, Ja Rule, go for it. Um, the, the main bad guy of F7 is this hitman named Deckard Shaw, who apparently teams up with um, The Rock in Hobbs and Shaw. Um... But, like, in this one, he's the bad guy, and he's just, like, a mega assassin. They call him, like, a legitimate British badass, which is a thing that no one's ever said about somebody from Britain. But, um, yeah, he's, like, a cool, cool killer guy. Hobbs was also the villain. It takes, like, two movies for the villains to become allies. Yeah, yeah. That's just, like, a thing. Yeah, yeah, because... Because they said that, you know, The Rock kicked um, uh, Dom Trotto's ass at one point. His daughter tells him that. (laughs) The villain of five or six. Yeah, I mean that's that's good. I like that though. That's it's very it's very anime y. It's it's very much like, okay, Vegeta's gonna go fight Goku, but then after that he becomes domesticated and comes to help out sometimes. It's <laughs> exactly what it is. Well it's even funnier that you say that because uh we find out Hobbs has a daughter and she's really cool. She's like eight. Yeah, she rules. Um and then the strangest the strangest character in my opinion uh, in F7 is Mr. Nobody, who is just, like, I think he works for the U.S. government, but, like, he's, he's Kurt Russell, um, that's who plays him, but, like, he, he seems, like, so shady, because he's, like, always giving the, the family, like, guns and cars and, like, access to incredible surveillance technology, and, like, I was like, oh, he's gonna turn on them, he's gonna turn on them. And he never does, and, like, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, he gives me um, really big elusive man from Mass exactly. Effect 2 vibes, uh, which I just have to make sure that that wasn't Kurt Russell. It's not Smart Machine. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, he never he never turns. He never betrays. And uh, I think that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. He's so shady. <laughs> He, he, like, has a bunch of weird shit. Like, he's, like, wearing, like, like a bulletproof vest under, like, his, like, you know, suit and, and tie. And also he's got, like, night vision sunglasses. And he's also just, like, really good at, like, shooting with pistols. And, like, he takes bullets for, you know, the, the, the team. And it's like, what is your deal, Mr. Nobody? Like, <laughs> God. We don't know and I don't think we're ever going to find out. Um... I did appreciate the that for the overblown budget of, of Fast 7 and 8 and 9 and Hobbs and Shaw, that the scene where uh, he gets picked up by the m- medical helicopter, 
the helicopter is like half an inch big in the background, but it sounds like it's right next to him. And that's how they save money on that scene by not having to animate another helicopter. Peak filmmaking. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. That's that's strategies. Uh, there's a lot of cinematic parallels and narrative parallels between Fast 1 and Fast 7. And I think that's really great. Like even down to the helicopter coming in to like help somebody like uh, there, there's I think we watched this movie in, in the correct order. Um, you think everyone should go from one to seven? I think so. It's very much like I was like worried that like it was going to be like playing Kingdom Hearts one and then playing Kingdom Hearts three and just being like I don't know what the fuck's going on now. But it was it wasn't like that in, in a lot of ways, and I think in some ways not knowing a lot of the weird lore shit and just being like okay they have to get back together for one big final fight like this is it like that it improved my enjoyment of Fast Seven. Well, okay, it's kind of. It kind of is like like the Kingdom Hearts thing, though. But the thing about Kingdom Hearts is that when you miss a piece of lore in Kingdom Hearts, that shit's pivotal. You are not going to know what the fuck is going on unless you have that one piece of fucking lore. Uh, Fast and Furious treats its lore like, hey, didn't that happen in the last movie? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that's it. You don't need to know. It doesn't really matter. The heroes are the villains. The villains are the heroes, baby. Vin Diesel's there. It's about family. He's got his Coronas. And also, um, Paul Walker is there for most of it. And then Ja Rule. And then, if not Ja Rule, then Ludacris. Um, if you don't know what's going on, that's okay. Because neither does the main character of the movie who has amnesia now. It's all whatever, baby. Kaboom, kaboom. There's a fast car and an explosion. Like, you don't need to know anything. You need to come in with an open heart and ready for a good time. I think that's exactly right. Like the fact that they are so playing so fast and loose with canon and, and the lore. Yes, and furious with the <laughs> canon and the lore it makes it very enjoyable. It falls into tropes that I'm familiar with, specifically like within big fantasy series and and anime series, right? Like there's just like a bunch of characters that like you don't really know how they're related, but they have like a cool aesthetic and they're a cool characterization. And I was like, you know, yeah, that works for me. <laughs> I have I have a pitch for you, and I don't know how you're gonna feel about this, but I think if anyone should do a live action Dragon Ball Z movie, it should be the producers of the Fast and the Furious series. Hmm. I want you to really consider what I'm saying, and I want you to like admit that I'm right. What are the similarities between <laughs> Dragon mean, Ball Diesel Z? Diesel could just play Goku. <laughs> mm-hmm. I he, he need to wear a wig, but yep. yeah. I mean, he's shiny and bald like Yami y- or like Yugi, <laughs> so he could just be there. Um, yeah. Um, what uh-huh. are the similarities? We've got explosions, villains becoming the heroes. Um, family, big family, big cast or big important set piece battles where the fate of the world is at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Fast Nine goes to space. Dragon Ball Z goes to space. Of course it does. Of course, Fast Nine goes to space. <laughs> oh God. Um, uh huh. I'm yeah. No, I'm right. I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah. No. If they had, if they had enough budget, you know, and they, yeah, I think they could pull it off. And they, they, they would have to maybe. Actually, I don't know. I think the the tone, the melodrama in the Fast franchise is actually perfect for anime because anime is extremely melodramatic. I know. That's that's my point. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, okay. if anything, they should direct an anime. <laughs> uh, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, the fact that the fa- the Fast and the Furious franchise is sort of a fantastical world where the rules are different from the world that the audience is, is familiar with. Um, I do feel like it is very similar to a fantasy or an anime. And I, I think you're complete. You're completely right in your Dragon Ball Z read. Thank you. I am. I'm so, so glad you agree with me. Um, <laughs> Should we talk about masculinity? We could try. Uh, okay. So you brought this up um, in your notes that like there is a portrayal of masculinity in these films outside of the military industrial complex, right? Nobody is is technically a soldier or a cop by the time Fast Seven rolls around. Um, I guess The Rock is, but he's just sort of like a, a side character. Um, and I don't I don't know necessarily that it is a good 100% portrayal of masculinity um but it does if you really sand it down and find the nuggets i think you can get 
at the things that I, as somebody who who does very much identify as a as a cis man, like the things that I enjoy and find find useful about masculinity. And I think this I think this franchise does have important stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff um, that I noticed was more, I didn't read any of the relationships as queer, which I read so many relationships as queer that sometimes I'm like, am I just reading into things because I want more queer relationships on screen? But no, it's truly like you can just write male friendships that don't read romantic at all and it's these friendships but they read as friendships they read as genuine right i think you made a note there's a point at which dom like checks in with one of his teammates about his like mental health um he like genuinely cares about even vince who fucking sucks uh and it's just there's a lot of like it's the it's like boys will be boys taken to an extreme right it's uh, it's a lot of goofing it's a lot of um yeah, there's some some uh, uh, razzing of of the fellas. There's a big like protective instinct, kind of a pack mentality. Um, you know, it's, it's boisterous. It, it can be a little aggressive. And like you said, it's not perfect, but it is just like a distilled masculinity that is fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that's that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. Um, I mean, the only the only problem I have is that it does kind of do the thing where it's like and anyway we have all these sexy women um and like you know i don't want to be like oh you can't have hot hot people hot women in in your in your film but you know there are a couple like a few too many like you know camera shots that focus on on a a woman's ass and it's like okay there's doing some objectification here uh and i do wish they had like maybe evened it out a little bit i mean the first movie um it was worse, I think, in this respect. Uh, it was a lot more uh, uh, gratuitous ass. Um, but I noticed something about the first and the seventh movie that was a little bit of a perspective shift. Um, so the first movie really played to the audience. So it was a lot of, like, you're supposed to find all these, like, <laughs> you're supposed to find the skanks hot, right? You're supposed to find uh, Vin Diesel hot, right? He's always, like, sweaty and, like, sleeveless. And um, I actually really liked the sex scene with him and Letty. Um, I thought it worked. Like, it was fine. You're supposed to find Paul Walker hot. You're supposed to find Michelle Rodriguez hot. Like, you're supposed to find all of them hot indiscriminately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, like, this weird perspective shift in Fast 7, where the movie is no longer playing to the audience. You are now running with this movie from Don Toretto's perspective. So all of a sudden, you're not supposed to find Vin Diesel hot. You're not supposed to find The Rock hot. You're not supposed to find, um, I forget the actress's name, but uh, Mia. You're not supposed to find Mia hot. You're not supposed to find Paul Walker hot. The only person who even remotely gets that treatment is Michelle Rodriguez. But even her, her like cool party outfit is a tight red dress. But it's not like, it's not plungy. There's not a ton of cleavage. Like it's pretty practical. But she shot really tenderly all the time. And there are a couple of like gratuitous um, shots of like women in bikinis. The Abu Dhabi thing that was like, it's like I appreciated the fact that they shot Abu Dhabi with all that like gross yellow filter and the bikini girls were there to like be this fake signpost of quote unquote progressivism right which like that isn't the sign of progress but to American audiences seeing scantily clad women is both progress and the you know what I mean but you're not supposed to find any of the main cast all that sexy so it's just like this really funny little perspective shift that i noticed um between the two movies because again it wasn't trying to make me think vin diesel was sexy which i kind of appreciated yeah listen love you vin but um you are a very featureless man in many ways yeah Uh, um so what this franchise is notorious for its concept of family and like you know talking about standing up for family the last movie literally has a song that's all about you know talking about family because family that's all that we got um but like what do you think based on the two movies we've watched what do you Mm -hmm. think the fast and furious franchise believes about family (sighs) 
I don't know. I, that's a great question. And it has, it has staggered me a little bit. Um, I think it does want me to kill somebody for family. That is, I have that in my notes too. I feel like this movie is like a family is whoever is close to you, your friends, people who have shown that they, they are, are worth protecting and you must use violence to defend them at all costs. Yes, um, it is. It's it's almost clan-like. It really is, because, like, the whole... This entire franchise, or this entire movie of F7, specifically, right, They this guy, you know, blows up uh, Vin Diesel's house. And Vin Diesel, I mean, understandably, I assume, given his relationship with the police, is like, well, now this is a blood feud. Uh, <laughs> they killed, they killed uh, John... Or not Johnny Tran, who is... Um, who is the Fast and the Furious main character? Uh, Paul, no. Uh, Han? Han, yes. Uh, you know, Han he's is- <laughs> Yeah, listen, they resurrect him, it's great. Um, I'm glad he's not dead. Uh, but they, you know, he killed Han, he blew up Vin Diesel's house, and now it is a blood feud, now he has to exact revenge. And it's like, that guy, Jason Statham, is getting revenge for, you know, a, a crime done to his brother, apparently, in the other movie. And, like, it's just- it is very clan-like in that way, that you're just constantly avenging various feuds against your siblings. Yeah, and uh, it also wants me to think families uh, 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 hovers around a central figure, which in this case is Don Toretto. Because, like, in The Fast and the Furious, Mia said that my brother's, like, gravity, right? Like, everything gets pulled to him, and he's the central figure. And then in Fast 7, he's Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, which also, that exchange with Ramsey... <laughs> is my favorite exchange because uh then ludicrous gets really mad and he stands up or no is it ludicrous it, no it the it's the guy? other guy it's it's uh it's roman is this character's roman. name so roman gets really mad and he's like uh <laughs> he's like no nah, i'm like second alpha right and ludicrous is like what the fuck are you talking about he's like, you know like second alpha like a man can <laughs> he says sit your candy ass down <laughs> it's really good it's i don't know what purpose roman serves except to be like the comic relief who's like hey um quick question why are we dropping our vehicles out of a hercules c-130 airplane uh (laughs) um my favorite scene potentially in any movie now um but he's like this is a little absurd don't you think and everyone else is like, don't don't be a baby, man. Just drive your car out of the airplane and then activate the parachute. It's GPS guided. You'll be fine. And then they knew he was going to chicken out, so they rigged his car. <laughs> it's really funny. That was really funny. And he's trying to, like, push the brakes as he's falling through the air unimpeded. Oh, God. Honestly, cinematic, fucking poetic cinema. I, I don't know. These movies are perfect. I mean, they're not perfect, but they're perfect. You know what I mean? It's just, ugh. I would I could watch Fast Seven a hundred times. We we earlier on in the year we talked about how much we were looking forward to Kong versus uh, Godzilla and like it's exactly in the same vein of just like big dumb stupid smashy smashy fun and I but with family but with family to quote um, Josh Rios from Polygon it's a smooth brained good time and I agree with that so smooth you'll slide a car right out of an airplane. <laughs> um. That that scene, though, where they were dropping the fucking dudes out of an airplane, like, that is the level of, like, cinematic, like, set piece design that I want to, like, bring to my tabletop RPG, like, games. Like, I think this, this especially Fast 7, but even, even in Fast 1, like, with the initial, like, heists on the moving trucks, like... That is such good, like, tabletop design. And, they, and you know, they capitalize on it. There's a board game already where you uh, fight a tank in your cars um, that I will probably post a link to in the show notes. But, um, and we're going to play it on this podcast. Uh, yeah. Maybe, like, I'm, listen, I'm saying... <laughs> listen, that, that's not out of the, the question. I think it might be very fun if we could play that board game. <laughs> this is now just a Fast and Furious podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, we're converting now. <laughs> We don't want to talk about anything else ever again. Uh, just Fast and Furious and Kingdom Hearts. Um, we'll call it Kingdom Furious. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's stupid tabletop nonsense. And I 
love well everything we keep comparing it to it has an aspect of melodrama to it right so we talked about it being like anime super melodramatic talked about it being saints row saints row is super melodramatic talked about it being like a tabletop game what is tabletop but melodrama you know so it's just like <sighs> melodrama is fun it's fun it's fun to unironically indulge melodrama i agree and we should do more of it um layla uh, I think it's time for okay. our our favorite segment, our only segment, the Mortified Marketing Minute. Um, so I I struggled thinking about how we were going to market this because, like, these movies are already marketed maybe in the best way possible, which is just, like, by having a trailer that has, like, a big stupid action set piece. Like, hard to compete with that, I feel. I agree. So I was wondering, should we, like, either invent a tie-in product um, that we would try to t- try to market in a different, slightly more unique way than just trying to market a movie? Well, yeah, I think a product tie-in would be great. I think I have a specific question for you, though, before we, before we try to invent a product, which is, do you have an ARG idea for this Mr. ARG? So, you're aware of the insurance company Geico. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Geico, in their little commercials, that they could have like a they would they would be doing there would be a tie-in of course you know the the fast characters would be driving and the gecko would be like in in the seat like with a glock and bling like god uh, come on come on dom you know 15 minutes can change you 15 or more on car insurance but i don't think it's gonna cover fucking predator missiles or some shit and then like when they're driving away like the the license plate would have like a, a url on it and then you would go on the url and that would take you to a carfax website and then you'd have to scroll through the carfax pages to find a very specific looking car from the fast and furious franchise and then if you you looked at that listing you would see that if you like take the image of the car you could uh change it with some sort of uh editing software and it would give you a different image and then that image would take you it'd be like a like a qr code or something and that would take you to a special i don't know like your pre-order tickets are like you know you get a little medal for completing the arg or something like that wow uh yeah Mm-hmm. While you were describing that Geico commercial, I did think of one also where uh, it could just be the Geico Gecko uh, pausing stills from the trailer for the Fast and the Furious 10 and totaling up how much damage they're causing without car insurance. And then <laughs> Geico policy would say that. I think that. I think that would be fun. Um, wow. Yes. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, it would also be fun if, um, you know, like the more modern, like self-driving cars, if, uh, you know how, you know how before a movie they used to have that roller coaster where, you know, everyone, it would just like play the roller coaster footage and you can like throw your hands up in your, your chair at the movies and it's like a roller. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I know what, like, a motion ride is, but I don't think they ever did that. All I remember is Maria Menounos. That's all I can remember at this point. Okay, well, <laughs> at the AMCs in Buffalo, they would play a, uh, like, just footage as if you were on a roller coaster. And when we were kids, it would be fun to just pretend you were on a roller coaster. So what I'm saying is if you were a self-driving car, what if the windshield was rigged kind of like that? And then it would be like a motion ride where you would think you're like in a Fast and Furious car chase, but you're not. You're just going to work. But like, you know, you're trapped in the vehicle. <laughs> I love this. I love when I go, <laughs> instead of my 8 a.m. commute, I get to be a part <laughs> of the Rock's Fast and Furious franchise stunt. I can be fucking... <laughs> trying to rob a car with my good friend Dom Toretto <laughs> before I have to clock in at my job clocking <laughs> tracking STDs <laughs> in Indiana. Uh-huh. That would be great. Yeah, I think that would be something. So uh, there's your product tie-in. Uh, Tesla, make the windshield a movie screen. That's not unsafe at all. No, I mean, not any more unsafe than your cars already are. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway. so I think, like like you said, it's just hard to, because here's the thing, not to compare this to Kingdom Hearts, but remember how we saw that inscrutable-ass trailer 
for Kingdom Hearts. That's basically what the Fast and Furious trailers are. It's just like inscrutable action sequences, but it actually works because Goofy's not there. It's <laughs> <laughs> Vin Diesel. <laughs> so you kind of get the gist. Yeah. Um, but I think it's fantastic that they just have like inscrutable action trailers. Um, and I, you know, we're, we're here to help, but we can't beat them. Oh, God. That's, yeah, I, I think that, <laughs> listen, you heard it here first. Mortified Podcast certifies The Fast and the Furious as uh, unmarketable, perfect, <laughs> cannot make any improvements, 100% A+. <laughs> uh, your uh, rotten advertisement score is uh, certified fresh. Certified uh, fresh by Mortified. God. So before we finish this broadcast, um, you did make this note in our outline um, that comes from my notes, and I do think we should explore it. Um <sighs> What is everyone's D&D class? Oh, boy. Okay. I stand by the fact that I think Dom Toretto is a um, paladin rogue dual-wield. And that uh, uh, Brian is a druid. Uh, Okay, please explain. I understand the paladin part of Dom Toretto. Why, Why the rogue... Uh, that motherfucker came out with dual wielding two wrenches against Jason Statham. What do you want me to think? Listen, you in in five e you don't have to be a rogue to dual wield. You can you can just ditch the shield. Okay, then he can just be a paladin. He's just a paladin with two wrenches. I agree with that. What makes Officer Brian O'Connor a a druid? Um, he calls upon uh, the forces of um, nature as they are known to him, which is to say he's very resourceful. He's always calling shoppers and shit. Um, <laughs> nature, by which I mean the American police military industrial complex, yeah, of course. LAPD and the FBI, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> ACAB, all cops are Brian. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Um, God, who... Okay, I mean, I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson, obviously a barbarian, you know. Oh, one thou. Not, not to typecast, but the dude's a fuck. He's called the Rock for a reason. Um, I feel like Letty. I don't. I don't feel like she, she's a rogue. I feel like she might be a warlock. Um, in some ways. Okay. Who? Who's her patron? So, that's a good question. So. In Fast 1, we see a scene where they all say grace and Jesse prays to the machine god of, of Gears and Nos. I feel like Letty's patron is the machine god of cars. And like, because she doesn't get too many sequences where she needs to drive cars. But when she does drive cars, she drives them very well and very powerfully. Similarly, in Dungeons and Dragons, warlocks don't have very many spell slots. But when they do, they always cast at max spell level. Uh, which okay. is why I think that Letty would be a warlock. I actually think that's quite poetic because if her patron is the god of machine parts and Nas, then it would be the same god that Dom is sworn to, and they could have a wonderful little conflict of faith as to whether or not his god is actually a god or a demon playing at false idols. You know what I mean? Excellent, excellent, great. And- Vin Diesel as the number one D and D stand in Hollywood would one hundred percent be on board with this. So one thousand percent, yeah, one thousand percent. I hate to say it, I think Mia would be an NPC. Yeah, unfortunately, she does not get enough screen she's, time. She's the Kyrie of this uh, this franchise. Unfortunately, I do want her to do more, um, but it's fine. She can just wear her hoop earrings and be cool. Yeah, um, I feel like a missing? lot of We've got Ludacris, we've got Jesse. I mean, they're, they're more like bard types, a lot of support. Well, I think Roman is probably a bard. Definitely for the for the comedic effect, yes. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably a bard. Um, he's easily frightened and without his instruments, kind of useless. Um, Ludacris? Is he a wizard? He could be a wizard. Yeah, you know, I mean, his technology makes him very powerful, and his technology is a little bit like his magic spells, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, listen, if if nature is the FBI, then computers (laughs) can be spells. God. 
Oh god. Uh, yeah, right, so- writing a fucking Fast and Furious AU as we speak. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, what what else what else is there to do in this economy? <laughs> Once they run out of these ones, we can pitch them the fantasy ones. God, incredible! Make a billion dollars. Oh, Layla, we're not trying to conduct increasingly convoluted get rich quick schemes. Where can we find you on the internet? I'm at lyles uh, on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. You can uh, read. Me essays at LaylaMamadova.com. I'm reviving my comic called Astral Heart soon. Um, and that's me. What about you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at AaronSXL, where I complain on Twitter about uh, politics and uh, public health. Uh, you can mm-hmm. listen to the other podcast I do at the bible boys uh me and josh are going to watch the confederate propaganda movie gods and generals uh which will be something uh (laughs) looking forward to talking about the implications of that one that's a fucking three and a half hour movie so i'm i'm gonna have a long night tonight uh (laughs) um but uh i also like layla uh put out essays um and i recently wrote one uh called the hypostatic union which talks about my relationship with uh being a biracial person and how i used my experience learning about catholic theology to square that my identities um and i would like if you read that it's really um, good it's like really good it's like it's it's like guys hey hey it's really good <laughs> thank you <laughs> um our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how do we close out this Fast and Furious podcast? Sit your candy ass down. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>